Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 7th, 2012. For newcomers, I would suggest you make use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. When you go in there, you'll see a whole bunch of sites listed. These are the only official sites I have. Anything else isn't mine. And all those sites carry audios of the talks I've given in the past. Uh, They all carry transcripts as well. A lot of transcripts in English of the talks. Not them all, but an awful lot of them. And you can also go into alanwattsentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages. So make use of it while you can, because the, the websites and, uh, and of course, the, the big system that's coming in is very politically correct, and who knows what's going to happen. When things happen, they'll probably happen fairly quickly, to imagine, with all the laws, etc. Number two, you are the audience that bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests and sell lots of things. I depend upon you to basically support me. So if you want to do that, you can remember buy the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can use personal checks or international postal money orders from the post office, or you can use PayPal or send cash. Across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again, and I've always stressed, if you don't know the past, you will have no idea at all what's happening today, what's really happening today, that is. Not the media's version of left-wing, right-wing and all that stuff, but the real forces that really shaped the last century and this century as well, because big organizations formed a long time ago to basically run the world in what they thought was a more efficient uh, manner. Uh, all eugenics, of course, eugenicists were involved and uh, Darwinist, and also you've got academia on board completely with this because the big foundations that are really just fronts for uh, NGOs and various organizations, the foundations which are fronts for bankers, basically, the international boys, that is, uh, set up these foundations to make sure that armies of people pushing this big socialist, communist agenda to run the general public, while, of course, this two-tier system will have the kind of fascists on top. See, bureaucracies run the public down below. Massive bureaucracies and governmental agencies. That's what they think is a perfect system. They really, really admired the Marxist system, the communist system, because after all, the same bankers set it up and funded it in the first place. So that's how they want the world to be run in this proper fashion. Not, not with personal decisions being made by individuals, but by basically legislation and agencies and, and, you know, commandants will basically tell you in your little community how you must live. And I mean how exactly you must live from morning to night every single day of your life. That's really what's coming down. So if you want to understand the past, you've got to understand just how old this system is. Very, very old. And the techniques of governing peoples is incredibly old too. Uh, the, there were perfected sciences thousands of years ago. And now, of course, with the rise of, of even more advanced sciences with uh, telecommunications and equipment, they really have an idea, uh, the, the perfect system of running 
people's minds for them, plus the use of television and media. So remember, if you, if you don't understand the past at all, if you think it's all irrelevant, then you're already in the land of the dead. You belong in the land of the dead. Because if you don't know the past, of course, you're doomed to repeat it. And totalitarian-minded people who have read their heads in previous generations have caused mayhem and chaos and mass slaughter across this world for those who don't know it. And they're all in place again to do the same thing once more on an even bigger scale. That's one thing about them. They have their sights set on bigger things all the time. When they get over with the Soviet system, they go straight into the world Soviet. And again, two-tiered with the fascists on top. Now, I think that's the music coming in. Yeah, so I'll be back after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, back cutting through the matrix, talking about this system. And you understand, communism used to be pretty well understood by people from the early 1900s onwards. And uh, and of course, lots of people thought it was the same as just the, the, the British-type socialism, which was basically for human rights, basic human rights and decent wages and that kind of thing. But they didn't realize that the whole thing was being infiltrated by the communists themselves, who always use other groups to get what they want. And they they end up on top, of course. And, of course, these people, too, were recruited by the big foundations, like the Rockefeller Foundations, and trained for how to get in and infiltrate various organizations. At the same time, all these big foundations, like Rockefeller, were giving huge grants out to all the universities, as they still do, to ensure that the next generation would be brainwashed in, in a form of communism without even knowing it. As long as you don't use the term, they don't know. They don't know they're being trained to be good little communists. And this whole one-world agenda, of course, is all part of this too. Now, believe you me, if the big bankers who funded both, as I've said before, both sides, if they didn't want this to be the way, uh, they they would nip it in the bud right away, immediately. So, therefore, the bankers aren't complaining because there's a deal that the the big boys won't touch the the big international banksters. As I say, look into your histories. You've got to find out who funded uh, Wall uh, Wall Street, basically, who who did it, uh, the Bolshevik Revolution and the Soviet system from its beginnings right through to its supposed end, which wasn't an end. It was simply blending into the West, not quite capitalist, not quite communist. And that's what we all are today. And I've mentioned various books before on it that people should get their hands on. Anthony Sutton did excellent uh, uh, books on, with, with, from the archives of Russia and from other places too, and um, on who funded the Bolsheviks or communists, if they, then they call them later on. And the Rees Commission too, if you go to the Rees Commission, the good book is the foundations, their power and influence to see why the big foundations were funding all these apparently left, far left organizations in America and Canada and elsewhere. And uh, without knowing this, as I say, everything else will be senseless to you. It's odd too, the young people who grew up uh, in the indoctrination of communism without the term being used. They call it greening, there's a whole bunch of words for it, environmentalism. These are all really uh, cover words for the same uh, system, basically, that's coming in. 
and they also have different names for every group that's out there. If you, if you personally like greening or something, they already have ready-made outfits for you to join. It's like going into a clothing store and there's ready-made clothes there. What, what color do you want? Whatever you choose, red, blue, green, whatever it is, uh, they've got it ready-made for you. They've got the leaders all picked and you all follow quite happily along, never realizing you're all being used. That's a system, very simple system, but an all-pervasive system that's used across the whole world these days. And back in the 1800s, uh, in fact, even before that, you'll find Lady Liberty, for instance, in a lot of French Revolution uh, artist renditions. And, and she's always the one with the breasts exposed and um, the red flag, carrying the red flag. Uh, you'll always see that in, in, in all these old, old uh, paintings and so on. But what it also was called was forward, and forward was the communist term and also the name of a lot of its papers in different countries for this creeping uh, socialist, which is really communist agenda. Don't, don't be confused for those old-fashioned people who think socialism is a different thing altogether. Not at all. That's, in fact, what George Orwell was trying to warn people about. He was a socialist, and he didn't understand uh, that communism was radically different. It was a whole worldview on everything. And he tried to expose this after he met lots of them. In fact, the communists were bumping off a lot of his friends uh, who, as they all fought in um, in Spain at the time, the war in Spain. And uh, the communists were bumping off everybody who was a competitor for uh, the system that was to take over, they hoped. He tried to warn the public, and it was very, very difficult for people to separate the two because they'd already had indoctrinations. They'd all heard of Marx and all that kind of stuff. And uh, as once it's in your head, it's hard to displace it by by truth. People will hang on to illusions till their death, in fact. In fact, they'll kill you sometimes rather than admit they were wrong. You're bursting their bubble. You're destroying their dream. Power of communism, too, was to train generations, pick out social leaders very young at school, and you have organizations in Britain that are already training the future leaders from about the age of 8 or 12 years old. And uh, same in Australia and other countries. They've been doing this for generations now. So they pick them out. Uh, they've got to be radical in their views. They give them a different education. And they open the doors for them into universities, the proper universities, of course. And they also train them uh, to be leaders, to, to speak in public, uh, not, not to deviate from the, the policies of the agenda and how to handle other peoples, etc., politicians. But this article here reminds me of all that because it says, New Obama's slogan has long ties to Marxism and socialism. The Obama campaign apparently didn't look backwards into history when selecting its new campaign slogan called Forward, a word with a long and rich association with European Marxism. It's also American because I think the main paper in New York was called The Forward. Uh, many communists and radical publications and entities throughout the 19th and 20th centuries had the name Forward or its foreign uh, cognates. Wikipedia is an entire section called Forward, the generic name of socialist publications. The name Forward carries a special meaning in socialist political terminology. It's been frequently used as a name for socialist, communist and other left-wing newspapers and publications, the online encyclopedia explains. This is from the Washington Times. It says the slogan forward reflected the conviction of European Marxists and radicals that their movements reflected the, the march of history, which would move forward past capitalism and into socialism and communism. 
and it's quite interesting theory. They believe it's actually a science, something that must happen by nature itself, you see. And it says that the Biomatic Campaign released its new campaign slogan Monday in a seven-minute video. The title card has simply the word forward with the O having the familiar Obama logo from 2008. Be played at rallies this weekend uh, that mark the Obama re-election campaign's official beginning. And there have been at least two radical left-wing publications named Forwards, the German word for forward. Uh, one was a daily newspaper of the Social Democratic Party of Germany, whose writers included Friedrich Engels and Leon Trotsky, or Bronstein as his real name was. It still publishes uh, as the, the organ of Germany's SDP. Uh, though that part has changed considerably since World War II. Another was the 1844 bi-weekly reader of the Communist League, Karl Marx, Engels and Michael Bakunin are amongst the names associated with the publication. Then it gives you the different names of the German ones, the, the ones in Russia, uh, and so on. This is conservative critics of the Obama administration have noted numerous ties to radicalism and socialists throughout Mr. Obama's history from his first political campaign being launched from the living room of the two former Weather Underground members to appointing as green job czar Van Jones, a self-described communist. And he, of course, I think, out the Ayers group was in it, of course. And, and you've got to understand, this was a, a, a system. All these communist groups had a system. And um, they came up with terminology and techniques to, to put down all opon- opponents, all opposition, smear tactics, etc. But they called it critical theory. Now, you don't bother going out to get a book on critical theory because it's quite simple. They were trained to simply massively criticize anybody at any, anywhere, even from a different group as long as it was left wing, who, who went out, went against any of the policies of communism. And just total smear campaigns. Anything would do, even anti-Semitism. In fact, there's a group actually doing that uh, right at the moment, uh, using Judaism, and, and, uh, and not all of Judaism, but they're using Judaism basically as a, as a, as a backstop um, for really a communist-type system in America. So everybody gets used, as I say, and as long as they can smear anybody who's opposing what they're up to, that's good enough for them. That's quite something, but uh, as I say, if you don't know the present and the past, you won't know the future either and where it's going to go, and you really must know what the future's got in store for you because they tell you all about it. They tell you where they're taking you. And, of course, eugenics and science. Science is the big thing in communism. That's why they had to attack all uh, religions and get rid of them until they bring in secular humanism. And humanism basically is their term for their system. Humanism in itself is a religion, if you look it up. But, of course, they'll deny that, and they, they say it's based on rationality. If you've got so many loaves of bread, in other words, and so many people, uh, do you share amongst them all? Do you feed the better types of people and let the rest perish if there's no more need for them, etc., etc.? Uh, that's where all your moral relativity, etc., comes from. And it's taught all through every area of uh, university, all different departments, uh, cling to this because, as I said a long, long time ago, the boys at the top says we must bring academia in on the big agenda because they will they will basically train the next generations, always get them young, and that's how it goes. Now, as I say, if you don't know the past, and you won't understand the present, and you certainly won't uh, be aware of what's happening in the future. A scientifically planned society. 
is a whole end of this game here. And that means rapid depopulation and much, much more. Which, of course, the Rockefellers did come out with at their last big meeting with the Lucky Gene Club that says we must go into rapid depopulation now. As opposed to simply uh, negative eugenics, which was just uh, uh, abortions, abortions across the third world countries. Now, uh, this other article too, it's quite something how it's all working together at the proper time. Because you see, part of the big Marxist agenda is also austerity. And the banks aren't complaining about it. You'll notice the big, big bankers. As I say, they've always been in on it. They run both sides, you understand. And that they will be the, the, the fascists up above, all the working, um, communistic, bureaucratic types that will manage all of us. Which is already here, isn't it? But 23 years in Afghanistan... That's the whole plan. Another 12 years is to be tacked on, which will bring it up to eventually 23 years for U.S. to be involved at $2 billion a, a day, I think, is or two, yeah, per day in Afghanistan. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and... Talking about Afghanistan, 23 years in Afghanistan is going to be the total. I'll probably go on even longer, I'd imagine, but this is a prize May Day announcement live from Kabul, Afghanistan, a country steeped in the illegal opium drug trade, a country George Bush invaded on October the 7th, 2001, and it says was a scene for President Obama's announcement. And he made an announcement visit today from his own security, and he arrived to sign an agreement assuring another 12 years of the U.S. military presence in Afghanistan until the year 2024. That indicates the amount of security and progress made after 11 years of U.S. occupancy. Will another 12 years make a difference? Well, it will to their debt, won't it? That kind of money, $2 billion a day. It's just the entire facade that the U.S. is winning a war in Afghanistan is a farce when a series of attacks in recent weeks proves the country is yet unstable and likely to remain divided amongst tribal rivalry. It's been like that forever. There's so many tribes there, and that's just the way that they are. Anyway, it says here, as I say, it's costing $2 billion per week is. Per week, okay. And... Um, it's going to be at the end of the 23 years that they've got planned altogether, it's going to be uh, an awful lot of dough, an awful lot. Who cares by then? It'll be def- inflation anyway in 12 years' time. I mean, a dollar's worth nothing. Now it's falling like crazy, so is a Canadian one. And um, what's going to be in 12 years' time? They'll probably have another currency, but then a global currency. It says for the next 12 years at that rate, the United States will have spent $1.248 trillion protecting a corrupted country. That's high in opium, eh? Uh, it says that will never have peace, never ha- stop harboring terrorists, and will never be any better than it is today from that investment. And uh, I'm sure they're there for many other geopolitical reasons, and the put bases there too. Plus, of course, they've got pipelines going all over the place to various countries. It's all part of the agenda too. The people won't benefit there or back in the U.S. or anywhere else because we just pay the debt for all these big corporations to get their pipelines and stuff going through and to get the opium out so that it can get turned into heroin. Now, I've talked for years about the, the, the facts, just the basic detective work when you go through medical history. And I put up various articles in the past, even videos to do with the, this big tests that have been done across the world on allergies because you see it's gone through the roof and it has done that really since about the 60s and it's a steady uh, uh, rise 
uh, year by year. And we've got people who are completely allergic to everything. The only thing that's changed, of course, is your food, which is a sort of chemical soup now that you've got and GM at that too. Never mind all the pesticides and also your inoculation. So many inoculations that do, of course, affect your immune system. That's how they work. It's affecting your immune system. So it's, it's not too hard to figure out what's happening. But I've done a, a recent study. Another recent study it says Amish children, farm children, remarkably immune to allergies, it says. And it says, Amish children raised on rural farms in northern Indiana suffer from asthma and allergies less often, even the Swiss farm children, a group known to be relatively free from allergies, according to a new study. The rates are very, very low, said Dr. Mark Holbrich, the study's lead author. So there's something that we feel is even more protective in the Amish than in European farming communities. And so they talk about growing up on farms seems to prevent the allergies. Well, of course, it's also the fact that most of them don't get inoculations. Some Mennonite areas, I know from reading, have allowed basic inoculations to get started. But I think the Amish are still keeping all that out too. So it says, um, they call it the farm effect. They're totally puzzled as to why people who have never had inoculations and and don't eat uh, pesticide soap uh, vegetables, they're totally puzzled as to why they don't have any problems with their immune system. It's just astonishing, eh? So Holbrecht, an allergist in Indianapolis, has been treating Amish communities in Indiana for two decades, but he noticed that very few Amish actually had any allergies. So I guess he's not making much money, eh? As studies on the farm effect in Europe began to emerge several years ago, Holbrecht wondered if the same phenomena might be found in the U.S. So he teamed up with European colleagues to compare Swiss farming children and Norn farming children to the Amish children in Indiana. So they've got all these different theories, maybe that the, the whole milk that they don't boil <laughs> has something to do with it, and things like that. But of course, really, what has changed, as I say, since the, the, the 50s? Well, mass inoculations, pesticide, salt, uh, foods, plus GM as well, that creates its own pesticides. And we don't even know the full effect yet of what the GM food will do to us. We don't even know. They know more at the top than we'll ever be told including the fact that all the other mammals that they even gave GM potatoes to uh, all developed uh, peptic ulcers and cancers of the stomach. Well, that's okay for humans, right? So, as I say, we're always conned, 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 conned. And even by exposing the story, it's generally a cover-up, because this one technically is a cover-up. I can't believe that these guys can't figure it out. You know, a simpleton can figure it out. And... With all the hype too, you see the world is in terrible, terrible, uh, you know, prob- it's got terrible problems. We're all, we're all, the climate apparently has been, has been, has been called an enemy of the state, you know. It's one of the, the top enemies of the state, the climate. Weather itself, weather, no kidding you, changeable weather is, is now a big, big problem. And, that there, and of course we've got to change our whole way of living into austerity to save the world apparently, to save all this global warming that isn't happening. You think it's crazy. It's going to get a lot crazier. It's already crazy, but it's going to go absolutely insane if you don't parrot off this kind of stuff. This is the same kind of stuff you saw in the Soviet Union. You couldn't publish poetry in the Soviet Union without going up in front of the Politburo to make sure you were politically correct. And if you weren't, you were off to the Gulag. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about how crisis is the name of the day, isn't it? Everything happens as a crisis. Didn't used to have all these crises, but now they're everywhere. And of course, what's the idea behind it? The idea is we give up all our rights. Every country must give up all rights. All the nations must sign various United Nations treaties one after another. And before the big international meetings take place, like Agenda 20 uh, plus, or the Rio, I should call it, um, uh, 20 plus 12 treaty is signed, which will be June, of course. It's already drafted up. The guys just attend there to sign it, that's all. Uh, then, of course, we're, we're all one, really. You see, we're all one. Nobody can go their own way. Nobody can warm themselves with a fire without permission. That kind of stuff. Because, you see, you're all producing carbon. And it came from, as I've mentioned, for years and years and years, the Club of Rome. This is a premier think tank for the United Nations. And they were given the task of finding a way to unite humanity. That means giving up sovereignty personal and national, and going under the, the, the scientific type of system which they've run at the top, a world-type government. And this is their own words, and, and this is from their own book. It says, the common enemy of humanity is man. In searching for a new enemy, a new enemy to unite us, because they already created enemies before, you see, to get that far, as they were then. So a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine and the like would fit the bill, right? In searching for a new enemy to unite us, all that kind of stuff would fit the bill. That would do, in other words. All these dangers are caused by human intervention, and it's only through changed attitudes and behavior, that's behavior modification, folks, that they can be overcome. So the real enemy then is humanity itself, and that's what they came up with at the Club of Rome. They immediately went to the United Nations, and then treaty after treaty came out, and that was done in the 1970s. So another article here is from Professor Stephen Schneider, Stanford Professor of Climatology, and he's the lead author of many of the IPCC fake reports. I said fake because they are. It says we need to get some broad-based support to capture the public's imagination. It's a war for the, on the mind and for the minds, right? It says, so we have to offer up scary scenarios, make simplified, because we're all dumb at the bottom, you see, dramatic statements, you're all going to die, you're all going to die, and make little mention of any doubts. Each of us has to decide what the right balance is between being effective and being honest. He's a professor, Stephen Schneider, eh? That's what he says. And Timothy Wirth, who was the president of the United Nations Foundation, says even if the theory of global warning, warming is all wrong, we were doing the right thing in terms of economic and environmental policy. You understand that was Timothy Worth. Now, what he's talking about there is the redistribution of your wealth, another plank of the Communist Manifesto. In other words, taking all your tax money off you, your, your government acts like the banker that throws it across the planet, and, um, and you're put down as a guarantor to pay it all off for the third world countries. It doesn't get to the third world to people. At the bottom, it goes to, to the communist groups, absolutely, they fund them through universities, but it also goes to the big international corporations that set up in the third world countries. And Christine Stewart, who was a Canadian politician, member of parliament in the federal government, she was minister of the environment, that's where they put her into. She says no matter if the science of global warming is all phony, climate change provides the greatest opportunity to bring about justice and equality in the world. And the data doesn't matter, Professor Chris Follin says. The data doesn't matter. We're not basing our recommendations on the data. 
We're basing them on the climate models. You know, they're specially built computers that give you scary predictions. The models are convenient fictions that provide something very useful, Dr. David Frame says, climate modeler at Oxford University. Convenient fictions. And then Al Gore, I believe it's appropriate to have an over-representation of the facts, meaning lies, on how dangerous it is as a predicate for opening up the audience, because we're all stupid at the bottom. We need to be shocked, you see. It doesn't matter what is true. It only matters what people believe is true. And that was Paul Watson, who was a co-founder of Greenpeace. They have so many arms, this whole world system, you see, all funded by the same foundation, so... And Daniel Botkin, the only way to get our society to truly change is to frighten people with the possibility of a catastrophe. He's Emeritus Professor Daniel Botkin, it says here. And it goes on with lots of quotes. Uh, Club of Rome executive member David Rockefeller says, We are on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis. And as I say, there's so many. I'll put them up tonight again. I've did it last week, and I've put them up for years, actually, the same quotes. And you'll find them all in the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And this one here, again, is um, from the Green Agenda. There's other uh, sites, too, that had them up years ago. And no one listened, of course. No one listened. And... Um, it's just all the scary scenarios, one after another. And, of course, Barack Obama says, Climate change is real. Not only is it real, it's here, and its effects are giving rise to a frighteningly new global phenomenon, the man-made natural disaster, he says. So everybody's in on it. Prince Charles is in it. Uh, Gordon Brown, the ex-British Prime Minister, that's now head of the IMF for the U.S. He destroyed Britain's caste system, so he's now over to do the same with the U.S., uh, it's just amazing, this club, this clique that's... Uh, now, of all the big uh, so-called right-wingers are in it too, all the big banking boys, it sh- they should kind of warn some of the followers of the left, not the leaders, because the leaders are all part of the con. They know they're conning you, you know. But you'd think it would wake up some of the followers. Why would the big capitalists be all for this deal? Well, who attends all these big international meetings? Look at all the corporations. Have you seen all the, the, the different treaties that corporations have signed at the United Nations? They're in bed with the United Nations. And funding in many other ways too. Remember all the, 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 the food for oil cons that went on? That's the United Nations. Yeah, we'll give you food. If you give us your oil for free, you know. Yeah. That's the world you live in, folks. That's the real world. It's very hard. Very, very hard. It's not a nice world at all. Because it's run very, by very evil, psychopathic people. That's why. And as they're doing all this stuff too and telling you that you have to pay and pay and pay through fees and privileges and all the rest of it in this new communist type system run by the capitalists at the top, another sea ice record in the Bering Sea plus April sea ice summary. And as it's getting warmer and warmer, we're seeing more um, glaciers getting heavier on the top, etc., and the Bering Sea is building up ice. So this has been an extreme winter for sea ice in the Bering Sea, and now we have broken the records for most number of days with ice at both St. Paul Island and St. George Island. As of today, sea ice has been at St. Paul Island for 103 days, this winter, breaking the previous record of 100 days set in 2010. So every year it's getting colder and colder up there. 
number of days with sea ice at St. George Island totaled 79 when the ice retreated north on the 25th of April, which always does. The previous record of 60 days was set in 2010. And this is the National Weather Service Alaska Sea Ice Program began archiving data in the mid-1980s. Sea Ice data prior to this is very limited and inconsistent. So, in a way, it's getting thicker and thicker. And I'll put this link up tonight too, to do with, as I say, too, how the glaciers, even from the satellites, are actually growing taller and taller at the top as ice piles on. And they're all, all worried when it breaks off at the edges. It has to. I don't remember the old fridges. I've got one here. When you open the door, sometimes, you know, there's this ice pushing its way out. You have to cut it all off or defrost it. That's what happens to it. It's got to go somewhere. It goes into the sea up in the the Arctic. That's where it goes. Every year, it's been like that forever. And, as I say, jumping the shark, climate change is now a national security threat. According to Leon Panetta, she says, Defense Secretary Leon Panetta declared global warming a national security threat yesterday during a speech before an environmentalist group in Washington, D.C. The area of climate change has a dramatic impact on national security. Panetta told the Environmental Defense Fund, these are all communist systems, you understand? They're basically preaching to their own. They go around to their own organizations, all the non-governmental organizations that are funded by the foundations. Just a circle. We don't, we don't count at the bottom. If you don't belong to these NGOs, you don't get a say. Also, rising sea levels, which are actually the same as ever. Severe droughts. Actually, all the companies, I'll put another link up tonight to the, the privatized companies now in Britain that own the water supply. All the international boys are, are shouting, drought, drought, drought is coming. And I'll put up a link tonight to show you they've had more, more rain in the last month and a half than for, for years and years and years. So much so, in fact, that even the wildlife guys are screaming that their wetlands are getting washed out. It's washing all the nests and everything away. It's flooding. Meanwhile, as I say, the guys at the top are saying, oh, it's drought, it's drought. Don't believe your eyes. Don't believe your wet feet. It's a drought. Talk about Orwellian, eh? Anyway, this is a defense secretary must have missed examiner columnist Mona Charan's recent piece on how symbols of global warming are not working out the way environmentals predicted. For instance, the United Nations Climate Change Panel admitted that the melting Himalayas prediction was not based on science, but on a 1999 media interview given by one scientist, Charan observed. They said they regretted the error. Now, a study in nature based on satellite imagery has shown that some melting of the lower altitude glaciers is taking place, but that higher glaciers have been adding ice. Adding ice. Then the old, you know, photograph you see about the apparently marooned polar bear floating on an ice floe, puzzling as polar bears can swim for hundreds of miles. Charles cited a Ukraine study showing that the polar bear population is on the rise. So much so, in fact, that Canada is allowing wealthy Chinese businessmen over to the Inuit territories to shoot them. There's that many of them. So they can get their heads mounted just like the old Raj of India stuff was going on with the British Empire. And they can go back and boast how they shot a, a, a static polar bear, you see. That's, that's how many polar bears. This, this overflowing. So it says, uh, oh, and the scientists for the Department of Interior, whose 2004 work on drowning polar bears inspired Al Gore and others, have been placed on administrative leave for unspecified wrongdoing, she added. It was all lies. But, you know, lies last a long, long time, especially if they're imprinted with an emotional uh, video for youngsters. 
And that's where all the youngsters are today. They've been brainwashed. It doesn't matter if, 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 if you show them later how it was done. The emotive imprint is there in their heads. Survey shot Swedish Defence Research Agency. 70% of Sweden's local politicians don't believe in the science. And it says, uh, Sweden's English um, language reporter says, um, Swedish politicians don't buy climate change. They're not falling for it. What on earth happened to politically correct Sweden? Are they getting tired of enduring bitter long winters? And have they given up hope on the warmer times that were once promised? The local starts. And it tells you six out of ten local politicians in Sweden doubt whether human activity is to blame for global warming. A new study has found. It's amazing how they never want to keep the sun or bring the sun into anything and things like that. Eh? You know, it's, it's all I do. We're, we're, all, we're all here all alone and, and there's nothing else out there. There's no sun, there's no moon, there's nothing. It's just us causing it all. What a lot of nonsense. What a lot of nonsense. But again, back to the Club of Rome. That would fit the bill. Eh? That would fit the bill. A common, a common enemy to unite us. That would fit the bill. Now, these same scientists are awfully obsessed about getting you all trained, and to the extent, of course, that even Bertrand Russell and Huxley's talked about it too, they would use different techniques which would be irresistible for governments to not to use. The temptation to use this on public would be too much. They could never resist it. Because that's how governments really are. It's nothing about PR shots for the public on news time. They talk about you in a kind of frightened tone. They're not too terrified of you. They think we're all stupid, but they want to control you. And that's what everything's about when it comes to power is control. Everything. Scientists switch mouses' genes off and on with radio waves. Now, do they want to build a whole population of mice that will kind of work for them or something? Of course not. It's all to do with what they do with what they're going to do with humans. That's all laboratory testing is about. Some laboratory mice were given specially engineered insulin-producing genes. These genes were then remotely activated using radio waves. This could mean a whole new field of medical procedures in which we turn genes on and off at will. It's all to help people, of course. Everything's to help people. That's what you know, DARPA and all these big boys are into, isn't it? To help people, even though they are just part of the military-industrial complex. One of the main parts of it. So this breakthrough is the work of geneticists at New York's uh, Rockefeller University. It's a pretty uh, circuitous path from the initial burst of radio waves to the activation of the gene, but there's still a lot of refinement and improvement that needs to be made before this can be used in medical treatments, but still we're talking about the ability to modify the behavior of genes without ever going inside a patient's body. That's a potentially colossal advance. They could do it remotely at a good distance from even the towers, I guess, cell towers. Admittedly, while the treatment itself is totally non-invasive, researchers did first have to inject some nanoparticles onto the mice's cells in order to affect their genes. Well, you get that in your food now. I'll put the articles in the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. It's a bit of a complex process, but nature has a good explanation of just what was involved. So I'll put this link up tonight as well. And how these guys get massive grants to see if they can alter the genome makeup and behavior of animals and mammals. You know, like, well, all kind of mammals, I suppose. And society is going down the tubes through the fact that we've been, our cultures have been destroyed over years. That was part of the big global agenda. You can't have individual cultures for a new society, a world society. So you have to go for everything that gave you your, your, your identity and your culture. 
things that kept you strong, things that even made you weary of other things as well. Um, so, so it had to be destroyed. And that goes for the way you treat each other, uh, the old customs that really were involved even with basic religions, doesn't matter what country you come from, and um, or religion either. Religions were developed really to make sure you didn't strangle and kill each other, all your neighbors and stuff, and plunder them like they're doing today at the top. But South Korea sees thousands of smuggled drug capsules filled with powdered flesh from dead babies, which some people believe can cure disease, officials said on Monday. Capsules were made in northeastern China from babies whose bodies were chopped into small pieces and dried on stoves before, before being turned into powder. Uh, the Korea Customs Service said they're always catching this stuff coming out of China. Uh, of course, when Obama's over there and the rest of them, and Hillary too, they won't be mentioning this kind of stuff. The Customs Office has discovered 35 smuggling attempts since August of about 17,450 capsules disguised as stamina boosters, and some people believe them to be a panacea for disease, the Customs Service said in a statement. They actually believe it makes you, keeps you young and stuff because you get like, all this young stuff coming into your body. It's very magical thinking. So you get babies, basically. The capsules of human flesh have contained bacteria and other harmful ingredients. So it's, I guess it's because of the bacteria they're complaining and, and the other harmful ingredients. But uh, you can't stop people too, and, and, this, and you understand a new a society and a global society. They've said before you can't condemn anybody else because of the way that they are or behave or anything else. You have to accept it all. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about being offended in other words. You're not allowed to be offended when special groups, you see, so we have special people in this equality system to, that they're pushing today. We're all equal apparently, but there are special ones who are more equal than others, as Orwell said, and, and you can't be offended by them, if they're, even when they're in your face or in anywhere else for that matter. And uh, same with other cultures too that might offend you in certain things that they, they do. You're not allowed to be offended. You're, you're all encompassing, you see. It's only them, the ones who are special, that can be offended at you or anything you say. Which creates a lot of frustration for most people, of course. But most of the people go along with it. You know, anything goes, you say. Anything goes. Que sera, sera. Anyway. You can remember when, um, I think Bollywoods and, and India came up, a joint partnership really it spun off from Hollywood. And now China's in bed with Hollywood to brainwash their own public into more degeneracy, just like we are. China to build $1.27 billion Hollywood Cooperation uh, Production Film Studio, it says. Uh, so the Chinese film industry a significant step towards each other with the announcement of the China Wood Global Services Base, a multi-million dollar movie-making center to be constructed in partnership with the Chinese authorities. So that's going up there too. And of course, uh, better get the experts in from Hollywood. Remember that article I read, Two Perpetual Wars was one of them. Another one was also to do with the, the, the U.S. would push its culture. That was in the War uh, Army College magazine. The War College magazine in the U.S., they would use all the degeneracy that's now destroyed America. They'd use that across the world. Yep. 
So the Chinese too, who still have some morals, believe you me, they have a lot of morals. It's a, you can walk the streets there safely in China, as opposed to some parts of the US, Canada, London, and, and various other European cities. But anyway, a constant conflict was the one. If you want to look it up yourself in the archive section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com and read that all for yourself, how they make everyone degenerate across the planet, then you manage them all by experts, saying, which I've done it. So that's what they're doing there. And um, another way to, to control people in the future, you've probably seen it in all their sci-fis, but it says, forget smartphones or tablets. The future of touch control could be doorknobs, furniture, or even your own body. Researchers at Disney Research in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, have created Touche, a system that can detect a variety of touch gestures on everyday objects. So basically, this is the interaction of uh, and the, the the web of all things. Basically, everything is interactive. It also means too the authorities can close you in your own house, for instance, and you can't get out because when you touch the door, nobody ain't going to work for you anymore. Things like that. So you can see where it's all going. I mean, you've got muscles. You imagine if you don't use your muscles, you can turn a doorknob. You just want to touch the thing. You know? This is using multiple frequencies allows a system to distinguish between a, fami- a single finger, multiple fingers, a full hand grasp, and many other touch gestures. It'll also have your fingerprints and palm prints and all that stuff too. All you need is a single sensing electrode attached to the object at one end and a computer at the other, which analyzes the changing signals to identify the particularly uh, the particular gesture in use. So they're going to put into doorknobs and lock, unlock when you grasp it in a certain way or allow tables and chairs to sense the position of people using them. Also let you control your phone by touching your fingers together or tapping your palm. Oh, you could train chimps to do that, couldn't you? Why would you want to? But then, you see, it's for control purposes because it's just like the, the systems have got in some cars. They can lock you in the darn car if they want until the cops come. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>